Okay, so now we're gonna get into the vegetarian meat of this episode, how to market with or without a budget, even though like I learned so much listening to your background and story, so I'm sure everyone else did too. Um, and it, you know, if you heard at the beginning, we're taking artists through the entire modern music industry, the entire release cycle. So from recording to release, from creation to distribution. So um, the previous episode was on distribution. We, we did a pre-recording marketing uh, foundation episode in episode two. So they should have their marketing platform set up, um, should have their social media in place, all that good stuff. But now the release is out. Okay. So now it's distributed. But how can artists handle FOMO, fear of missing out, and find balance in the digital era? Oh, I love this question so much. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing about the internet is like that quote, life goes on, the internet goes on too. Oh. Every day, every minute of the day, there's going to be something else to look at, right? Um, New York City, prime example, People are walking back and forth. Somebody's running. Somebody's on a bike. There's a taxi. There's a bus. There's a train. There's a plane. There's a there's a pigeon. There might be a rat. There's a stroller. There's there's noise. There's honking. There's music. There's so much stuff going on in New York. Yeah. Right. But if you have to get to work, you got to figure out how to get where you got to go. You can't be so distracted by everything that's happening left or right, because it's going to happen whether you stand still and watch it or whether you keep walking and catch your bus, train, plane, car to work, right? The internet is no different. Um, So I know you can, I can understand why an artist would get fumbled because it looks like everyone is doing things and you're sitting there trying to get your thing right and you have to take your time or it's taking you a long time for pieces to come together. But I think it's better to get it done right um, and make it something that lasts and something that is impactful, especially if you're independent. Every dollar, nickel, penny moment counts, right? And so you do want to, don't overthink it, but you do want to make it worthwhile. Um, And, you know, something that's the hot topic today won't be tomorrow because there'll be a new hot topic, right? So it's kind of like, you allowing yourself to experience FOMO is kind of just a distraction mm-hmm. in the sense, because you should be so excited about what you're doing that you can't wait to be the thing that someone else has FOMO about. Like that's, I think, where your focus should lie. It's like, you know what? Oh, that's super dope. Let me get back to work. Let me get back to tunnel vision because I want to be the thing that everybody stops, that makes people stop scrolling. Yeah. Like that should be your goal is to how do I make people stop scrolling and how do I do it in a way that's authentic to me that can help push this incredible music that I spend so much time, effort, maybe money putting together and creating? Um, and I have this thing that's like, you know, everybody kind of wants a viral moment, but they're just moments. If there's nothing else to create that longevity beyond the moment, then that's all it is. And it may be great for a day. I give you three max, 72, there's like a 72 hour window for virality. And that's insane, right? Because there's so much online, but that's pretty much all you get. And so if you didn't create anything to extend that visibility, it doesn't mean much. I mean, think about all the viral moments that have happened. Like you have to have something else 
attached to it enough even for an entity to say, hey, this person is so dope. Let me see how we can make something work out of this. Or you see it all the time. You know, people kind of have mixed feelings about artists that get discovered on like TikTok and stuff like that. But the ones who have gotten like signed and like are still working, they already kind of had an artist infrastructure for themselves. They have music. They had personality. They had other things. This is just the one thing that caught on, right? And so I think, again, you should be focused on quality and consistency. Um, and if you do that, then there's no reason for you to really have FOMO because you're a part of the ecosystem. You're just waiting for your, you know, for your moment, for your shot. And your moment may be a big viral moment or it may be a combination or a combination, I should say, of, you know, a bunch of smaller moments that people can like, you know, not understand, like something that's really cohesive. And like, sometimes it's that, and you're like, damn, yeah, this person's been working. Like they've been putting out stuff, they've been consistent. And now there's like this really high level thing that's incredible, but it's like, it's no stopping you at that point because it's a snowball effect versus like, you know, just having like a couple of snowflakes at the right moment. Like, oh, it's snowing versus like, oh, avalanche. Like you want, you know, you want it to be, something that lasts. And so I think that's the way to get over FOMO and also understanding that everything you're seeing in real time was a process. Yeah. The biggest artist in the world has a process. There is no one waking up and just putting stuff out and being perfect. Yeah. And it just hitting. There is so much that happens behind the scenes, especially for artists that are signed or have some sort of situation or partnership or team. There's so much. There are so many people working so hard for the one moment you're having FOMO about. So much goes into a one-minute clip for you to have FOMO about. And it's like we don't even have enough time to go through how much it takes for your favorite artist to get one thing done. Yeah. To get a photo shoot done, to get a partnership deal done, to put out an album. Most of the time, by the time you're seeing something, this could be something that's worked on from anywhere from like at sh- at shortest three months, mm-hmm. at longest three years. You just don't know. And another thing I try to tell artists while you're experiencing FOMO, everything's only owed to you, yeah. right? You put it out today, it's brand spanking new to the audience, right? Like, you're the only one that knows. And I know that can be daunting because, especially as creatives, you're ready to move on. You're like, all right, I've been working on this for six months, a year. Great. But I have a bunch of other stuff I want to put out. I want to see. I'm in a different place right now. But the truth is that the audience has no idea. If you don't tell them it's coming, they don't know. If you don't put it out, it doesn't exist. So it's like you're also fearing and missing out, thinking you're behind, but you're not behind. You're, you're actually very timely. <laughs> you're actually extremely timely. And again, just know that there's nothing happening overnight. And not just with music, but even other stuff. I know people in other creative spaces have the same sort of FOMO with like influencers and media personalities and even executives and people. And it's like, even me, by the time you see a photo shoot, I put out photo shoots. I'm actually about to do one. Literally, watch me in a few days. I'm going to put out photo shoots from a photo shoot I did last year. Mm-hmm. And, like, and people are going to be like, oh, my God, it's so great. And, yeah. not, and they're probably going to think, like, last week I went. And it, no. It's everything. If you're smart with your brand, you're going to do things as far out of, 
as far as possible, which also frees you up to be prepared. You don't want to be scrambling to figure out what do I want to post for content today? Oh God, I got a post on Instagram. Oh man, how do I engage these people on Twitter? Ooh, uh, how do we extend the shelf life of this project? Like you want to have that stuff already laid out so that you give yourself wiggle room. You may wake up tomorrow and not feel like creating and that's okay because you're human. But if you have a folder full of photos, full of video content, full of, you know, whatever else, things that you've been working on, then you can just press play and go. And then go about your day. Go about your creative day because creatives need time to sit around and do nothing, right? So this could be your nothing day. And then you also don't have to experience that constant feel of needing to like always be on. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's very anxiety inducing, right? But you want to give yourself the space. And again, you're seeing everybody. It seems everybody's so perfect. Everybody's so consistent. Everybody's doing these things, but they're taking time like you're taking time. You just got to get through your time and then be consistent, right? Don't stop after that. Like you have to constantly be having that assembly line for yourself where you're, you know, your where your you know your future you is thinking about your current you, right? And so I think that's a very long answer to <laughs> how to avoid FOMO. I wanted to give an in-depth answer to that because that is something that so many artists experience. And I also want artists to know that you're not the only one. Again, your favorite artist is feeling the same way when they want to put out something that they believe in and care about too. I love it. And, you know, I I often advise artists, like, whether you are, like, super into all this marketing and industry stuff or you can't stand it, you should set aside an hour a a business day to focus on your social media and responding to emails. Because if you love it, you can get so sucked in and addicted and go to tons of industry things and, like, be on social media all day that you're losing sense of who you are as an artist and, and why you're doing this. And if you loathe it, you really do have to respond to your emails and you have to engage um, with your fans. So no matter what, I would say an hour, a business day. I agree. And I think that's like a great balance minimum of like an hour a day where, like you said, you're not overly consumed with it because there is such thing as, and honestly, a lot of times where the FOMO comes from is like, you're too much on social media versus being the thing that's in the social media, right? And so you have to remember to take a step back and like less watching, more creating, right? Like I won't ever say don't be on it because you do need to know what's going on and you can get inspiration and all these kinds of things. But once you get to the point where it's kind of making you miserable and feel like you're incapable or you're not doing enough, you got to set that boundary um, and, and really remember what makes you great and amazing and why you deserve to be you know, getting the same looks and visibility as the people that you're watching too. Yeah. And if you truly can't handle the FOMO, you know, because again, I, I totally agree with you. Focus on your own green grass. But if you truly can't handle it, reach out. You know, you can DM these folks. Like you can contact them. And and like like you alluded to, like maybe they're having FOMO about what you have going on, you know? So now you can set up a coffee. You can set up a Zoom. That's not, not something we necessarily could do with everyone like 100%. 20 years ago. And yeah. like use, like I think artists too sometimes get in ego mode where like, again, they want to look perfect. So they don't want to talk to other artists even about or other creatives about what they're dealing with. But like your peers will be yeah. your greatest your greatest tool. Like, again, everybody wants to network up, network across, 
right? Even if it's someone that is not an artist, but they're an up and coming executive or, you know, creative or whatever field it is or manager or whatever it is, you know, talk to your peers. Like there's so much that I've learned over the years that have come from my peers. Like when I look left and right right now, it's so incredible, but it's the same people who were in the trenches with me. Yeah. The same people who we were like standing online trying to get into this open bar event so that we could hopefully maybe meet one person <laughs> to give us an opportunity. These are the people that are VPs, vice presidents, managers of, you know, Grammy award winning artists, like, and producers and, you know, uh, owners of their own companies and platforms, movers, shakers, like we've become the people that people are dying to get advice from and talk to and meet with. And it's like, you know, look to your left and to your right, like more than likely, whatever you're going through, they can either help or have some sort of solution on alternative perspective, or they're at least the very least going through it too. And so you, you know that you're not alone in this it is a journey. Mm-hmm. Like there is nothing about artistry and creativity that is linear mm-hmm. and there's nothing about it that's quick and easy. Yeah. Even when it looks like someone took the elevator instead of the stairs, there's typically years of toiling, work, investing and in everything that went into leading up to what looks like a quick opportunity to you. I know everything based off of like perspective And it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, though. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just always so much more to the story. So, you know, you got to try to be mindful of all of that. And when people say that, believe them. Like, I think the part of interviews where people are like, I had to work. I I gave up everything for this. Or I worked so hard for this. Or I came from nothing to this. I think people gloss over that because they just want to hear the glory. But you can learn so much just from hearing people's tenacity, right? And, yeah. you know, there's the the infamous Jay-Z quote, the, the most incredible thing we did was we didn't give up. That mm. is a real thing. And so also I, I try to tell artists and creatives, like applaud yourself if you, um, you know, if you're getting up and doing it every day. Because yeah. like, that's no small feat. It's not, not in this world. Absolutely. So you touched on this, but how early should an art artist reach out in advance of their release if they want to work with you uh, and or a publicist? So I have an interesting answer for this. Um, my favorite artists reach out like three months before, mm-hmm. at least. Um, but someone like me, if you give me six weeks, we can make it happen. But I'm always very transparent. And depending on where the artist is in their career, the more time, the better. Yeah. Right. Because the first thing someone like me and anyone who really does the job properly is going to do is there's going to have to be time to assess where you are and then come up with a strategy for how to lay the playing field for your release. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, hey, what are these cool things we're going to do for your release? It's also like, is your audience and your platform, like, are you primed for this? Because you don't want to just throw things at the wall and hope they stick. You want to actually have a better shot at them landing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that takes social media audits. It takes like, hey, what are the other systems and things and platforms you have in place? And are they efficient, right? Do you have 
uh, of functioning. And this can vary across artists, but things like having a website, having an email list or a text message list set up, you know, what are your channels? Is your YouTube set up properly? Are we going to run ads? Are those you know, is even just your social media prime. Maybe we need to warm up your social with some posts so that the first post is not like, hey, I haven't dropped music in, in a year and a half, but hey, I'm here. Like, might work, probably won't, right? <laughs> like, if you're, it, that doesn't work for people with millions of, of fans already, right? Depending on the artist. So, um, I say three months is a good amount of time. I think three months is great too because then you can get your budget together, right? Um, a lot of times artists come in the door thinking that they know how much stuff is going to cost and then they are pleasantly or unpleasantly surprised, right, about what it will actually take. And so I think three months gives just enough time to figure out where you are, where we want to go and what it's going to take, not just monetarily, but even what it's going to take from you as an artist, from your team, you know, what that all that stuff looks like. What does it look like post-release? Because I'm the type of person who I create a rollout that keeps rolling out, right? Especially for an emerging artist, you don't want to, after you drop the project that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever day you're doing, that's it. We're done. We're finished. Ta-da! Right? Like, <laughs> go listen. Like, no, you have to have stuff. You got to keep working that thing. You got to keep working the single. You got to keep working the whole project. You want to have you know, additional press, content opportunities, things to engage your community and your fans and your audience. Like you want to have all that stuff ready. Even if you plan to put out more music almost immediately after, like you you want things to be cohesive and a plan so that again, you're not scrambling and so that you can measure effectively, right? Um, a lot of times if I get a three month lead, I can also just see how certain things do especially if we're mostly activating on social media. It's like, what does your audience like? What do they not like so much? What can we perfect? What can we tweak? What can we just cut out, period, and just not do anymore because they don't work, even if you like it. Hey, it doesn't really work like that. Um, and so there's just so many things. Um, now, again, six-week lead, I can put together an excellent rollout for you, but there's going to be limitations, mm -hmm. right? Because you only gave us six weeks. Um, <laughs> and six weeks is generous because artists will come in two weeks. Like, hey, um, yeah, I want to put this out in two weeks. Can you create a miracle? And we can do as close to a miracle as you know we can, but you're cut, you're really selling yourself short. Like, again, going back to how crowded the marketplace is and how saturated things are. The issue is not that it's saturated, the issue is that you're not giving yourself a fighting chance to stand out in a saturated market when you don't give yourself enough time to put together a marketing plan um, that's more extensive, makes more sense, more tailored to you. Like if you give me a six-week lead, we're probably going to be able to do like the basic things that everyone does, right, that we see artists do. And we may not have enough time or limited time to really throw some razzles on there. I mean, we can, again, but... It's just like anything else in life, right? Like if you have two hours to study for a test versus two weeks to study for a test, you're probably going to do a lot better or at least feel more confident, right? With that two weeks than the two hours before kind of thing. So that's the concept, just like anything else. It's all strategy. Um, I'm not like a, I'm not like a plug and play kind of person when it comes to marketing. I think it cheapens the art so much to not tailor the strategy to the artist and to the artist's audience as well. Like, 
I mean, let's use big artists. We're not going to market Beyonce the same way we market ASAP Rocky. Mm-hmm. Like we're not, the, it doesn't make sense. Like there are some staple things that matter right now in the industry and in the market that, you know, yeah, we'll check off those boxes, but I'm approaching the strategy completely different. And I think that's how people should approach artists in general, even if they're in a similar genre lane, all that, like, completely different. There is no one fits all, one size fits all, excuse me, to me when it comes to marketing. So if I had a budget, and this is the part we're talking about, the with a budget, and then we're going to get to without a budget, I would honestly hire you and and your team. Um, But I do want to touch on PR rates for a second, which is different um, from what Mm -hmm. Janae does. Um, So you know, a lot of times I meet with uh, young managers or artists that are like, yeah, I, I, I want to get a publicist. And I'm like, well, why? Like, what, what's the goal here? And we'll get into that in a second. But you're going to get quotes anywhere in like thir- in the range of like thirty five hundred, five grand a month, if not more. Ask for like fifteen hundred or a thousand dollars a month. And when I because also we'll talk about this more in a second, like the return on investment with PR is not what it was like in the pre-digital era. Um, I mean, we might as well, uh, you know, yeah, talk, go for it. Yeah, talk, go for it. talk about PR. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. This is a really important topic too, because, yeah. you know, we do, with our company, we do have like a publicity leg where we, you know, can do certain things. Mm-hmm. But I will say like probably top 10 questions or things that we've gotten over the years, people being confused about whether they need PR or they need marketing or which one to get first and like all these different things. And I have so many incredible friends in PR and they will tell you, Janae, they need to talk to you first. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because if you don't have like your brand story and your marketing and who the audience is and all that stuff together, they don't have anything to pitch. Yeah. Not much. Um, the thing about PR and publicity is it's not just, hey, this person dropped this project. Yeah. What about it is special? What about you is special? Like they have to be able to really paint the picture to the platforms that they're pitching to. And then you have to consider the fact that all the platforms have their own idea of like things they want to be promoting and talking about, and they want their writers to be producing things about. And of course, PR also dips into things like television and media and content. Like we have these different pillars now, but it's the same thing where it's like, it's not just, hey, this person is doing a thing. Sure. Put them on TV. Sure. Give them an article. Sure. Do this. Like, no, there's so much else that goes into that. And if you don't already have a lot of the other pieces together, the pitches will fall flat or they can't even really craft a good pitch for you. It'll be very like, okay, this person put on music. You know how many people put on music in a day? Like that's not, and I always tell people like, think about what it takes for you to buy into something. Like a lot, like it it takes a lot for you to be interested in something for there to be an angle or story. And so, you know, a lot of times you can see people, too, who maybe do have press and they don't have anything else. And once some articles, you got some SEO and that's great if someone is Googling you. But (laughs) 
the average fan is looking to see what you have going on on social media, what you have going on on streaming platforms, want to see, might find you from some content. They might find you because you sat down with someone and told your story or you're presenting your story in a cool, unique way. Like there's so many other things that go into that. And truthfully, platforms, publications and all that, they want to write about uh, create content with and around people who have already been showing that they have a story, showing yeah. that they're doing something interesting and fun and cool and of quality. Like that usually comes after. I mean, more than half the time, if you really do something incredible, the press comes to you. Yes. Publicists are not. Like, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. And so, yeah. And then again, like you mentioned, PR costs, yeah. right? And so, you want to good actual PR. You know, you also want to be careful about the people who make promises of like, you pay me this, I guarantee you um, this placement or this spot because, you know, I've never, you know, everybody hustle how you hustle. But the truth is, though, how much impact are you getting from mm-hmm. this play? Play to pay to play situation like you might be getting something but you might not be and so actual publicists who do a lot more organic pitching and can make sure that the publications and the platforms understand who you are as an artist and what this whole project song uh event anything is about yes they cost they do a hard job and so you want to think about the fact of you know where your budget is going and do you yeah. feel like like you said, Emily, press is not exactly the same as it once was. I think before it was such a huge necessity, and now it's more of an amplification. Yes. Um, I think that's kind of where we are, especially if you're an emerging artist. Mm-hmm. There's so many other things that you need, I think, to make the press matter that you should probably be investing in first. Yeah, it's so true. And like for me, whether it's working with artists or like at my nonprofit, I voted, press is just a tool to me. So like when I yeah. was working with developing artists and, and you know, if we were working with a publicist, I'd be like, you know, let's just try to land one or two links and then I can get that to booking agents. I can get that to music supervisors. Yeah. I can I can pitch publishing deals with it. So I sure, if we pick up some fans, great. But the goal was land some links. Um, and have that as a tool. And one way to build sustainable PR for yourself is whether you're landing press on your own or with a publicist or whatever, um, grab those email addresses of those journalists and put it in a Google spreadsheet. For our artists, we call that fancy friends because then you're building your own contact database of journalists, bloggers, tastemakers that support you. And then you can reach out to those folks, you know, um, whether you have a publicist yeah. on or not. Listen, relationships are so important. Um, and they've gotten me so, 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 so far. Like work ethic, top tier thing you need, but also relationships, knowing how to build them, maintain them, and relationships, not transactions, right? Not building with people or networking with people just for the sake of you think they have something that you need or want, yeah. but really actually like investing and in getting to know people and you know, just connecting organically, maybe even seeing what they need and how you can be of a help to them. Not People not just only hearing from you when you want something from them. That goes such a long way. And I think most journalists, I have so many journalist friends. Most of them are great people. Yeah. <laughs> great people. But you got to imagine you wanting what you want 
imagine how many other people are constantly asking. This is anyone who works in the industry. People are constantly always asking people for something. So imagine how refreshing it is when someone's just like, hey, how are you? Or, hey, I saw this thing. I thought, you know, I thought maybe you'd be interested in. I thought maybe you'd like it. Or, hey, there's an event going on here, um, you know, that someone's doing. If you're interested, you can RSVP or anything. Happy birthday on an Instagram post. It all goes a long way. And so if you can build that relationship with journalists where you're not expecting them to do certain things, but you're just sharing things with them, you're keeping them posted and like, you know, with what you have going on, I think that goes such a long way. So when it is something that, you know, matches with, you know, what their, you know, their goals and bottom lines are right now as a platform or publication, you're a shoe in Like, it's easy, you know, versus, or, you know, if you want to have a more extensive, larger conversation about what that looks like, you kind of have that avenue. You can at least have the contact to be able to be like, hey, do you have some time next week? I'd love to play some of my music and just hear what you think. You know, if you love it and you have space to write about it, great. If you don't, thanks. Share it with someone you think would like it. That's it. They may even pass you on to someone else who can do it or get it done. You know, they may show up to your release event. Like all those things matter. And I know we live in an instant gratification world, but it don't work like that in music. (laughs) So you really, you know, you have to take the time to, I think, you know, massage and, and build those, those different relationships. Yeah. And, you know, if you've landed some press on your own or, or organically, and then you are working with a publicist, be upfront with them about the press that you've landed previously. Um, You really have to be upfront about communication because it's like, I know an artist from Detroit, he was landing a lot of great local media and then he went on to hire a publicist and she thinks she's crushing it because she's landing all the stuff he would get anyway. And then he was super disappointed um, that she wasn't going beyond Mm -hmm. that. So also be clear about your goals. And if if you've been landing press on your own or organically, um, you know, make sure... Uh, they know that up up front. And then also really have your, and this is going to be the same for you, I assume too, but really Mm -hmm. have your asset organization together. So don't like hire a publicist and be like, oh, now I have to get press shots, right? No, I was just about to say that. You want to have your photos ready for them to go. A, a good publicist is definitely going to help you with your bio. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think that's something if you right. don't have a great one, I think it's okay. Um, but definitely at least kind of know, like you said, Emily, like what your goals are, yeah. where you were trying to go, not just I want to be famous, I want yeah. a million followers, I want whatever, like tangible goals, right? Yeah. Who do you want to be? And I think artists sometimes don't think about that enough. Um, like who you want to be as an artist, not just the the high level like fandom that that you um, desire. And, you know, also think about the publications and things that you want to be in. Yeah. Right. Like you said, Emily, like don't have the publicist just, you know, because they're going to do what they think is best. But if you really want to be in this publication or or something else, or you have an idea of where you want to be, you can be upfront with them, then they can be upfront with you and tell you how realistic that is mm-hmm. um, and tell you, you know, what that would take to get there and the time it takes. And the last thing about PR and everything, things take time. Yeah. I think a lot of artists also assume that even, I'm telling you right now, the best publicist needs time to pitch you. Yeah. They need time to have conversations. There's a lot that goes on and goes into that kind of stuff that, 
the artist will never see. You don't see all the emails, the phone calls. It would overwhelm you if you did, right? You don't see all the follow-ups. You don't see all those different things. You don't see that. And so I think artists sometimes get frustrated when they're like, oh, well, I'm paying this person and it's been a month and I like I'm not on the cover of Billboard. And it's like, even the people on the cover of Billboard, their publicists have been working on that for six months. Yeah. And I'm like, and and they're whoever they are on the cover of Billboard, you know? So it's just a long game. It's one of those things where it's not a fun conversation to have, but it's an honest one. Um, and so I think setting realistic expectations and goals with your publicist is also important too. Yeah. And also respectful communication, right? So, you know, like like you said, if, if the publicist is working you and you're emailing them every two seconds, or if you're texting them every two they seconds. They can't do their job. Yeah, exactly. Right. They can't do their job. <laughs> and, you can al- and you can also set up Google alerts for yourself so you can see any of those press hits coming in at real time. And then, like you said, then they have time to go out and do their job for you on, on your behalf. For sure. for sure. And then also, last, last thing is... <laughs> Make sure you have something to pitch. I think sometimes artists get PR too early too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't have an album out. You don't have a song. Like, you don't have anything for me to talk about. Yeah. And it's a little hard to pitch press for stuff that you did before. Right. Right? Like, we're in the world of the now mm-hmm. or the upcoming and so I think sometimes it's even that if you don't actually have an angle or a store something for them to pitch, if you think they can just pitch you, that's sometimes difficult if you don't have a really extensive kind of rap sheet already. So yeah. again, that's why again a lot of my publicist friends are like they need to go to marketing first. Um, because we need to build up the story for the publicist to be able to pitch, build up the plan. Yeah. That the, that the PR can help amplify. Yeah, exactly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we reviewed this in the previous episode, but when the time comes to release your music, you want to take care of your most hardcore and lucrative fans by sharing and announcing your releases news on your text list and on your email list, then get it up on your social media. So this is a general question, but what are some best social media practices? Um, I think definitely, um, I always like that idea of like, if you have for a core community that you're engaging, like in a separate way, like texting or emails to definitely give it to them first, or at least tease it to them first, mm-hmm. um, because they're going to be the ones who champion you on social media. Some people have audiences that just, they're going to go no matter when they find out. Right. Yeah. Um, but you have to be honest with yourself about, do you have that type of a pulse on your audience already, on your right. fans already, as to where they're going to go extremely crazy, sharing, posting. Like, and most independent artists don't have that yet. You're trying to build it. So definitely, like, you know, use all the bells and whistles that are at your disposal. I think some general best practices for social media is, of course, having all the assets ready mm-hmm. and making sure they match, right? Um, a lot of times artists will, like, 
they'll have Instagram together, but they'll forget about like TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Even if it's not your strongest platforms, you want to have the presence there because why leave any opportunity for somebody to not hear this music? Yeah. To not see that you're dropping, to not know. Um, I think so. Yeah, definitely having your assets. I love a cool announcement, right? I love something visual. I love something that's not just dropping the artwork or maybe you drop the artwork first and then you follow up with something that's a little cooler that goes within the theme of the project. Um, I think that's important. I think also kind of like Easter egging your audience. I think that's always cool, like leading them up to release, especially again, if you're an emerging artist you got a lot of noise to break through, yes. right? So you want to be doing something every day or every few days that reminds people that you're dropping this album, yes. right? This EP, this song, this music video, whatever it is. Um, so I would say that I think definitely also creating something that's interactive for fans is always fun, right? So where something they can participate in, um, then you get that nice crossover, user-generated content, this could be anything. This could be a filter. It could be, um, you know, them answering questions. This could be them reposting something for a gift or a prize pack or merch or, you know, something like that. I love that. Um, this kind of trails a little bit off of social media into real life, but I love seeing kids. I love like PR giftings. I love the idea of sending and, you know, it doesn't have to be something extensive. If you can afford to, to create a big custom box or hire someone like Brown Perfection to put together something like that for you, but great. But if you can't and all you can do is like make custom lighters or some other item, small token item, um, where it clearly has like your your artist name, the name of the project, you know, maybe you include a little note card in there. Great if it's handwritten. If you're sending out a bunch, we get it printed out. But, you know, a nice note, QR code on it. That links out to all your stuff. Literally, people love free stuff. I say this all the time. People love free stuff. They might even care about what you're doing. They love free stuff. You can go ahead and DM, email people, say, hey, I'm dropping this project. I would love to send you a gift. Um, you know, on behalf of the project, can you send me a good address to send it to you? I've let people send me all types of stuff. People I've never spoken to, do not know. And I just thought it was so thoughtful that they did yeah. that and that they were trying to push and market something. And when I get it in the mail, what do I do? I post it on my Instagram story so all everyone, all my followers can see it. And I tag them for free. That's exactly. it. Because thank you. I got something free in the mail. It's the yeah. same. Like you can do so many things. And then that ends up being almost like an impromptu influencer campaign. For you. Yeah. One that you did not probably have to pay for outside of getting the item and mailing the things out. Now you have reputable people posting that they got something for you and that your album is coming out or your song is coming out. You can pull those down, snatch them, put them into a compilation video and post it as content if you want to. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you can, you know. You can make it work. Um, and so I think those are some best practices, too, is just how do we make this exist outside of just posting and going and hoping that people click and link and listen? I think making sure your bios are updated, right, and all the links are there. Make it easy. Do not make it hard for people to click. I mean, now you can even add, you know, the links to the post in itself. You can add links to stories. Utilize social media stories even to take people on a journey, do polls, ask questions, let them ask you questions, like go live, 
that's something that artists, I'm like, you should be going live really often anyway. It helps mm-hmm. with your algorithm and it just, again, helps people get to know you a little better outside of you just kind of posting and going. But even that, you can bring in people who helped with the project on live as well. You get their cross promo from their audience, a producer and, a, a, you know, a musician, the person who made your artwork. It could be literally anybody. It could be your friend that was in the studio with you when you made a certain song. Like, use these tools to your disposal. Like, social media is a tool. And I always tell people, like, it's easy to overthink it. But think about the fact that there's people that you see every day that you probably feel like are, like, 100 times less talented than you, but they're consistent. And they're on there. And so they're getting all these looks and all this visibility and all this love, whether the product is great or not. So if you have a great product and you're not trying, you're doing a disservice to yourself. And I think with social media, the key is consistency. You can't do something one time. And because it wasn't magic and because you didn't get this big response, you never do it again. Yeah. You got to keep at it. I don't care if one person joined the live Mm -hmm. because the next time you do it, there'll be two people and it'll be four people. And then there'll be 18 people and then there'll be 100 people and then there'll be 3000 people because you were consistent and because you kept trying and someone saw it like a fan a day is a real thing, whether you're a super indie artist, an emerging artist, an established artist, a fan a day. You should be doing everything that you can to promote yourself and your music every day. Ads also go a long way. But I always tell people, if you don't have a good understanding of ads, please hire someone who does. I think artists waste a lot of money on ads and they're super shocked when I show them what we start off with when we're like producing ads. Not a lot of money. The first phase of ads, especially social media ads, is all research data. Mm. So don't drop $500 in there and you don't even know how it's going to convert. Yeah. A hundred, a couple hundred at best <laughs> and and see, run it for a few days, run it for a week and then see kind of like where you do invest in. Also, use your data like every even if you don't have access to like the the larger, you know, like as an agency, I obviously use a lot of tools and software to pull data and analytics for for artists. Right. But for the most part, all the platforms give it to you. Like Spotify yeah. tells you on the back end where people are listening to your music like apple does the same thing instagram does the same thing you can look at your insights and at least know like do i have mostly men following me or women following me are they in chicago are they in new york are they wow i've never been to los angeles but they love my music in cali so you should be then targeting ads to people from a certain they even tell you how old they are Mm -hmm. right like you have the demographics right there And I say, like, use it to your disposal. And I know it's so much stuff to be an artist, but it's a job. So literally lay out all the pieces and all the things you need to get done. Figure out what you can get done yourself, you and your team, and figure out who you need to hire out for. Um, And I think, you know, that is kind of how you do it. But ideally, to go back to best practices on social media, is everything being clean, creative, consistent, um, accessible, which is really important as well. Um, and that just, it depends on what that means to you. Some artists like to clear their whole Instagram grid because they're getting ready to drop. I'm not mad at that. Um, some people, you, you know, you know, you can pin stuff to your profile. If you're on Twitter, maybe you're doing a conversation. Like it really depends on where you thrive. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you want 
the promotion to live everywhere. But whatever your strongest platform is, do not try to be everything to everybody. If your strongest platform is Instagram, that's where you add the most effort, the most razzle-dazzle, the most interactive thing, like that's where you do it at. And then you let it live in other places. If you know you're really good at Twitter, then you need to be utilizing Twitter to your advantage when it comes to, you know, promoting your music, getting your fans engaged, you know, hosting, if you're going to host a Twitter space, if you're going to have a Q&A live Twitter conversation where they can tweet you and you can answer questions, like whatever those kinds of things are, um, I think you need to pick the platform and kind of act accordingly. Yes, absolutely. And also don't forget to tag anything or anyone that's taggable. Yeah. Tags, captions. Mm -hmm. Um, Tagging is so easy too, because more than likely, if you tag someone, they're going to comment, they're going to share it, they're going to support you. Like the artists that I've seen roll out really well outside of it being a creative, consistent, cohesive rollout, the biggest thing that they do is they incorporate everybody that was a part of this. Yes. You did not produce it by yourself. And I think people really appreciate one when you acknowledge them as you're rolling this out, but it also gets them, gives them something to get behind. And if you can get all those people behind you to push it, then you can get other people behind you to push it too. And people love, they love a story. Like they love a a championship story. They love, don't be an underdog. They love that too. And people will support you just because they see how hard you and your people are going, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's just what it is. Like people like to support things that they see moving, that they see are getting love, that they, I mean, there's a lot of people that will support just because you put in so much effort. And so, you know, it seems small, but it, it, but it's really not small. And I mean, tagging in stories as well, tagging on Twitter, tagging wherever you can acknowledge someone. I think you should. I mean, I just think it's nice to do. Um, and it helps you solidify the relationship with them further. And you're also helping promote someone else. I think that's great. Like I said, network across. Um, but it, it also has the secondary factor of like promotion and promo. Look, if you don't have some sort of extensive promo team, you got to create it. Mm-hmm. You got to create it. And, you know, your family and friends may not be your biggest like push, I, I try to tell people don't necessarily rely on them, right? Because people get really disappointed sometimes where they're like, I thought they would, you know, but figure out who those people are. Yeah. You know, maybe it's, and even look at the landscape because there's people online who just love music. There's mm-hmm. tastemakers, there's people who like their whole thing is just discovering, finding, and knowing what is new and what's good, what's of quality. Build relationships with those people. To be honest, I would build with them before I build with journalists Mm -hmm. and publicists and executives because the executives are looking to those people to know what's hot, what's new, what I should be paying attention to. You'd be surprised. Like they're not necessarily, because if you're someone who's on the inside of it, you're the artist or whatever, of course you're going to tell me it's the best thing smoking. You better, right? If you're talking to me about it, but you know, tastemakers and people like that, they only promote what they like. Yeah. I mean, unless they're doing some sort of like paid influencer thing. And even then it still has to like match their taste level. Most of them won't take a check just because you ask them to promote it. It still has to be within the lines of that. Um, And then that's another avenue too. I think if you are going to pay for something, pay for promo, right? Like there's all these different music pages online and tastemakers, as I mentioned, who for a small amount will promote you to their audiences. Like really think about the people 
that you're trying to get to. And I think people kind of shy away from this if it's not a huge name. Again, like if it's not a huge blog, if it's not this, that, and the third. But truthfully, if if we think about how it worked 10 years ago, the internet blogs, the social media platform blogs, those are the new blogs. Mm-hmm. That's what people go to to find out new music. That's what people to go to find out what's happening, what's going on. And usually they have a low threshold in terms of how much they, they want to charge per post. You could get a post to, uh, to somebody who has a page that has like a half a million followers on it for like $50 or $125. Like it depends on, they all have their different pricing, but you could set aside, you know, $500 to do that. And then, you know, use that money and get way more visibility, looks, follows, likes than you would get maybe with like a press article mm-hmm. that may or may not be promoted on their main publication, social media platforms, or may or may not break the surface. People may not want to read. They may want to just yeah. look at a, a quick Instagram post or look at a, a content piece or, you know, a text overlay with your music video on it. Like there's all these different things. So I think when it comes to social media, figuring out who do we want to get, who who, who we want to see, not everybody. Your audience is not everybody. Yeah. It's not. No one's audience is everybody. Okay. And so really figuring out who those people are, how they consume, where they consume, where they find new music, where they where do they go, where they get excited about it, and then figuring out how to bring that stuff into the fold for your rollout. And reminder to not open your tweets with an at symbol. I still see people doing that unless you are replying to someone. Um, don't cool. open a tweet with an at. Or put a period in front of it. Exactly. Yes. That's, that's like a little a little trick. You put period at and then you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, I'm live. You just put the at symbol. It'll show up in replies, and it won't show up on main feed. So nobody's yeah. really seeing it. Exactly. And you know, engage with your fans. Reply to your fans. You can also reply to them with your community.com number or your email list link. So when someone's like, "When are you coming to Cleveland? When are you coming to Atlanta?" It's like, "Oh, here's my you know." don't say it like this, but like, here's my community.com number, text me. Cause I didn't want to say like, here's my number, you know, text me. So then you are, you know, kind of flipping the script on social media companies. Cause we talked about how tech companies are the most valuable companies in the world. Um, so you need to think of yourself as a tech company and collect as much data as possible in the form yeah. of mobile phone numbers and email addresses. And, you know, for me personally, I know this isn't everyone's brand, I try to only post positive things on the internet, um, and that hasn't really steered me wrong. Like, once in a while when I complain about something, it definitely comes to bite me in the butt. Um, So, you know, keep that in mind uh, when you're posting. And also, um, do you want to say anything about, like, pinned posts uh, as well? Yeah. I think pinned posts are really cool, um, depending on what you have going on. It could be something where, like, um, it could be like accolades or something cool or important mm-hmm. to happen. Maybe it's press you got, maybe it's whatever. But I think for artists, um, pin posts are cool because you can really share what your latest thing is yeah. without people having to scroll down and kind of yes. search for it. So if you post, I mean, and this is even when you're not in cycle, like rolling out, like mm-hmm. if you post a picture, like you can pin it to the top of your page just so that it gets more engagement if someone ends up on your profile. Um, but definitely if you're releasing as you're releasing, like you want your album cover, you want the video, any any content that's extremely relevant, like the, the best of it, you want to have pinned to your profile so that when people see you from all this other promo you're doing or shares and visibility or the algorithm or explore, when they go there, the information is right there. It's I think it's 
right after, maybe even before the bio, because people are so visual. Sometimes that's that's where they go first, their eyes go. Um, And so you want to have that stuff right there. And I really love to what you said, Emily, about um, responding Mm -hmm. to comments and things. Do not be too cool. Um, Responding to comments is the equivalent of you being at a show and shaking everyone's hand that's there and saying hi, taking a picture, having a conversation, which you also should be doing at your shows. Um, But it's so important because one, and it's not just important, it also helps the algorithm Mm -hmm. because you commenting back on your posts or you responding to DMs and your stories and reactions and things like that, that tells the app, especially on Instagram, but also pretty much all the apps across the board, it tells them that this is something worth pushing to more of your followers because it's something people are interacting with. And so you want to do that as much as you can. Like, I don't see why not. Like, if people are taking their time out to comment, I mean, the least you could do is comment back. Um, it's free. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Um, and I think it means a lot to people, mm-hmm. especially if they're really a fan of you. I think it means a lot. And I think, you know, you may not have all day, but even that hour that, you know, Emily mentioned where it's like you're taking this hour to respond to stuff, I think that can go a long way. And I think people just appreciate that. And no matter how big you get, they will remember when you were still working and you took the time to comment to them. And you'll probably remember them too. Artists remember their day one fans. They remember. The North remembers. Like It's like, oh no, this person's been supporting me for like eight years now. Yeah, I'm giving them backstage passes to the show. Yeah, I'm going to bring them out here. Yeah. I mean, you just never know. Um, And I think it's a a beautiful thing to, you know, treat the people well who support you. Um, You know, I think sometimes artists are so focused on getting more supporters that they're not loving on the ones they already have because they're the ones who are going to go tell other people that are like them about you. And so that's really who I think you should be investing in the most. Absolutely. And, you know, when I talked about how, like, before your release is out, you know, sharing a pre-order and or your Patreon, you know, same with day of, and then maybe day two of your release, sharing your band camp, because that's where you're going to have the second highest profit margins, like, and, you know, day three, maybe share Spotify. Like, day four, you can share that your music is out on Tidal. Day five, you can share that it's out on Apple. And again, make make sure you're tagging Tidal. Make sure you're tagging Spotify, because it's it's a way of sharing your music without saying the exact same thing every day. Right. Um, and keep all these best practices in mind, too, when you land press, okay? Like, press shouldn't just be in your inbox or, you you know, in a press report or you land a press hit, you know, organically or, you know, whatever, and you pop it up on your socials. Tag the journalist. Tag the outlet, right? You want that stuff getting popped into stories. You want these journalists... Um, following you. And that's, you know, that's, it's less likely that's going to happen unless you engage with that, you know, engage with those posts properly. Absolutely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So what are your thoughts on SoundCloud? Uh, I think SoundCloud is such an important pillar of music. 
I don't think we would have the landscape that we have now, um, not on the creative side, not on the consumption side, if it wasn't for SoundCloud. Um, and I know that SoundCloud is in a different, I think, seat in terms of um, priority platforms mm-hmm. in music right now. I think it just has taken on a different persona, but I still think it's a really great place for discovery. So I think that you should absolutely have your music on there too. I think people who are really into music too, like seriously into music and creating, are still on SoundCloud for sure. Um, I think remixes are still really cool on there. And I also know that SoundCloud as a company is also investing a lot in emerging artists and indie artists too. And so they have their own platforms on social as well. And so you never know, you could become an artist that they also push and amplify just by simply having your music on there and it possibly doing what you sharing. So I say SoundCloud, um, AudioMac is another platform that I feel like is really like emerging artists first. And like, I know, yes, do of course have your music on like Apple, Spotify, Tidal, yeah. And all that, but don't forget about SoundCloud, Audio Mac, Pandora, mm-hmm. um, Amazon Music. Like these are platforms that you know. One, people are on there and they listen mm-hmm. to music there. I think too, even thinking about like an Audio Mac, they have so much international appeal, mm-hmm. so where you could gain an audience outside of the U.S. as well, um, just from having your music on there. And you know, again. They also, all these different platforms provide opportunities for indie artists, especially, mm-hmm. right? YouTube Music, as well as another one, Bebo, like they provide opportunities for artists in those in-between spaces or as they're moving up. And so don't count them out. Like you could probably also, I think, build just a more niche fan base, I think, if you're still building like on those platforms. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's kind of like you're uh, you're cutting through traffic, honestly. Yeah. I think on platforms like SoundCloud and Audio Mac, whereas like Apple Music, Spotify, Title, I mean, and Title supports indie artists a lot too. I think, especially with like their playlisting and things of that nature. But I think on the larger platforms, you know, they have their priorities already. Typically, with larger artists, when it comes to playlisting, when it comes to who's featured on like you know, the the first pages of, of the apps and, mm-hmm. you know, who's being promoted and how things move up, how they chart, how they rank. Whereas you could be trending on like an audio Mac or a SoundCloud same day you drop. Yeah. And not because you're this huge artist, but because people are listening to it, their algorithm works however it does, and it's shooting the song to other people who would like your music. They're more likely to promote you on social media as well. Uh, you probably have a better chance of speaking to an executive at SoundCloud or AudioMac, like to talk about how you can place your music and move it forward versus like trying to get to someone at Spotify or Apple because that's just how things are. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think those are important platforms and I don't care how big the artist is. I think you yeah. should have your music on there. Um, leave no stone unturned. But that's kind of my um, my methodology there. Yeah, and I would recommend um, putting your community.com and or your email list, list info at the bottom. So again, you're mining that fan data because otherwise SoundCloud is just uh, monetizing your fans and you're not really getting yeah, much Yeah, and of you that. want that everywhere. Like yeah. there should be no platform or profile of yours where people can't like further buy in, right? Mm-hmm. Like outside of watching, viewing, listening, even in your YouTube, mm-hmm. like 
you know, the little section where you can put your info, like you should always have something there where people can get to the next step where they can buy in. Where can I get more of this? Because think about how you consume. When you hear a song that you like, if you really like it, you're like, well, damn, where, where can I get more of this? Do they have more music out? How do I find yeah. it? If there's too much of how do I find it, you lose them. Yeah. Done. And now it's just a cool song. They may or may not download. They may or may not add to a playlist. They may or may not keep, depending on how they found it. So you want to make it very easy for people to buy, as I like to say. And in music, there's a bunch of different ways for people to buy in. But music ideally is the product, right? You're a brand. Music is the product. And buying can be listening. It can be viewing, right? Watching content or watching a video. Um, it can be downloading. It can be all these things. It could be purchasing the actual music. But whatever that that thing is, it can be a follow even, right? Them following you is not exactly the same as a, a monetized transaction, but it's a form of buying into you, right? And so you want to make that easy. Think about it this way. When you go to purchase something and, I don't know, maybe you're buying socks or something random online, and if it takes you to another window where you got to like, put in extra stuff and do it. This is something extra you have to do. You might be like, you know what? I don't need these socks. I need to stop shopping anyway. And then boom, you're done. They done lost the sale. And so approach your, your brand the same way retail does, right? Where it's like, we want to make it as seamless as possible for you to buy into this. Do the same thing with your art. Make it easy. There should be no reason. And another easy thing, the way to do that is to keep your handles consistent. Like you don't want to be like superstar three, two, four on Instagram. And then you're like hot girl one, one, one on Twitter. And then you're like, can't even find you on Facebook. Like you keep it consistent as possible as well. So that if someone does a quick search on another platform or app, you come up. Yeah. I think, you know, it's important. I, I think even when naming songs, mm-hmm. It matters, you know, and that's a little more in depth, you know, in terms of like search engine optimization. But, you know, think about that, too. How easy is it for people to find your music wherever it is that they're finding it? But definitely make sure all of the information for them to buy into your community is attached and easily accessible. Absolutely. Just a few more things, unless you have to go, because I know I'm keeping you longer. I'm good. I've locked up some time, so I'm good. (laughs) Amazing. Um, So what are your thoughts on radio? Ooh, this is a good question. All right. So radio is still extremely helpful in terms of um, getting music across state lines, like getting that like national audience and maybe even global audience, right, for the song. Um, Believe it or not, there are still a lot of people who drive. And so the radio's on, right? Um, there's even like Sirius XM is built into mm-hmm. some cars and vehicles and stuff like that. I think that's probably where people are listening the most. Some people are probably listening online, but I mean, I think radio still matters in that way because there are still millions of people who listen to radio. Um, however, is it possible to break a record and have, you know, mainstream success without radio? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, radio picks up songs that do well you know, that are doing well before, you know, that thing. There's also just so much other stuff that goes into radio, Mm -hmm. depending on the market um, that we don't have to get into today. But I think that it's not something, I think it's something nice to have, but not necessarily something to chase. 
yeah. um, and not necessarily something that you need in 2023 to have a hit record. Mm-hmm. It helps tremendously. And I think if you do have it, it's a much uh, bigger experience, but I don't think it's a necessity. I think you, I think it's even, I think radio is kind of the telltale sign that you have crossed over. It's like, oh, now you're on radio. Like you're there now. Like the song is on radio. The artist is on radio. You've crossed over into that threshold um, of, you know, superstardom at this point. Now, I will say, though, making relationships with your local radio stations, radio personalities, DJs, I think all that is super important because I think what we forget, too, is that outside of mainstream radio, there's all this other radio. Right. Like even if you take something like in New York, like Power 105, they have so many other shows that aren't the Breakfast Club, that aren't, you know, the primetime show slots that are important, that play new music, that play new artists, that work with Indian emerging artists. Like that's who you need to be working with if you really want your song on radio. And if it crosses over to the bigger thing, great. But even just getting that sort of play, I think, goes such a long way. And if you want to go to more indie radio you can work serious XM. They have so many shows. They have so many people that will sit down with you and talk to you about your career and talk to you about your music. And then you are getting that that play across however many stations they work on. And that's a big deal because you don't know who's listening online or otherwise who will become a fan of you. Like, But I think that's the more approach you want to take to radio. If you have the opportunity to get a big radio hit, incredible. But I think you should be at the stage where most artists are. I think they should be more so networking with um, the other shows, personalities, DJs, platforms, and that's another side of the business where people really don't invest enough networking in, but I think you should be, right? Because even if you do build those relationships, you know, on radio, you might get invited to an event that they're doing. You might get mm-hmm. to go to a show or a concert where you can shake hands and, you know, meet other people and all that matters. I totally agree. And if, if this is, I, I, again, I could not agree with that more. And if, if it's something you're interested in exploring further, um, you know, you can do a college radio campaign for pretty reasonable prices. You can work with companies like Terrorbird, um, Planetary Group, um, Powderfinger. Um, but at the same time, and, and they will also tell you, and you can ask them like, hey, do you think my music uh, works well on specialty shows? That's going to be more um, mainstream radio stations on their Sunday night shows. You can also ask um, if you think um, your music might work well at AAA um, which is, Mark might have to help me, but a, adult alternative album format, I believe. Um, but regardless, when you when you do start to get these plays, whether it's, you know, from meeting folks in person or you're hiring a radio promoter, just like PR, right? Like, and so few artists do this. Um, you know, when you're getting spins, tag the station, like post about it, thank them, um, you know, uh, tag the DJs. I, I just had the privilege of being on a conference call with Image and Heap, And she was talking about how, yeah, I just um, thanked a big radio station in South America and then also a super tiny one in like Eastern Europe. And they couldn't believe they heard from me. And it's like, I mean, Imogen like defines building a sustainable music career. So I wasn't surprised like, oh, you're totally doing that right. But there's so many artists that do radio campaigns at all levels. And again, those radio reports just like sit in their inboxes. And it's like, thank these folks. And especially the, you know, the college stations you know, the students that are the music directors there go on to be music supervisors yes. and booking agents 100%. and are the tastemakers within their friend, friend group, yeah. too. 
I um I did college radio for a little bit too. Nice, and just the circuit and the people that I met that were in there, they are they are working in this industry yeah. today as well. So it's you know, you I think again, it's building relationships is more than half of this work, right? And even if it's a situation where you are doing like an interview with someone or getting on a podcast or anything like that, promote it. Like promote it. This person is taking the time to sit down and talk to you, like promote it, say thank you. Those yeah. things just go so far. And like another benefit to you, if you know, if it's not enough to like show love is that you look like you're doing something because you are, yeah. right? And like talking about that FOMO, it's yeah. like the things that you are doing, don't be shy to post and promote about it. Like don't yeah. think that it's a small thing. Like you are active, you are actively promoting your art and your work. And like, that's something to be proud of. So no matter if it's a big publication or a small radio mm-hmm. station or something in between, like you should constantly be sharing that stuff so that people know that you're working. Like advertising, it used to be, it takes seven times for, for us to recognize something on our brain, like seven times we see it to like really buy into it. It's way shorter now, even with video and sounds and stuff like that. The attention span is like, you might have like seven seconds now. Right. Yeah. And so you thinking that you posted one thing one day mm-hmm. is reaching all these people is so I could it's so incorrect. Every yeah. day you need to be getting up and promoting your stuff every day, multiple times a day, really. And don't kill yourself, right? You yeah. can schedule things out. I'm a big advocate advocate for that. Um, there's all these tools, there's more tools than ever, but I think just having the mindset that you are your biggest commercial is. I think the the way to go and how you just make it, it just becomes second nature to you. And it's not this grueling job and um, this thing that stresses you out and disappoints you. It's just something you do because you're an artist for real, right? I think half the battle is artists realizing that you are who you are. You may not have all of the success that you envision for yourself yet, but you have to walk and talk and move every day. Like all the things you're doing, and this is for anyone, not just artists, but all the things that you do in a day-to-day need to match this outlook of yourself. And it's a constant work in progress, right? You're not going to wake up and be Beyonce in a day or a week or a month or two years. But you will be the best version of you if every single day you get up and you only do things that contribute to being this person. It's so true. And also like think about starting your own podcast. I definitely know artists that felt like they weren't connecting deep enough um, with their audience Mm -hmm. on social media. So start your own radio show. Artist content is, I think, the best thing you can do. I'm really big on let's not even wait for people to give us a yes to say, hey, we can come on their platform. You also have content. And that helps, too, because if someone can see you doing your own podcast or your own content videos and pieces and et cetera, then it helps so much to envision you on their platform. So like, oh, okay, they're personal. They're funny. They're introspective. People seem to like this. Yeah. You want to come on my show? Like, easiest thing you can do. And if you're ever in such a dry spot for some reason where you aren't getting picked up by press, you aren't getting interviews, you aren't getting radio spin, you aren't getting all these things, you and your fans have your own thing going on, right? right? Like content is king and it always will be. There's people who don't do anything else but have a podcast mic. That's just where we are right now. And they have, you know, they had something to say and they started saying it every day. 
And then you see them having these huge platforms now, all these opportunities. Like it's the same thing with you. Like do not be afraid to create your own thing and your own platform either. Like I think I think we wait a lot of times too long for someone to notice you or to notice us and be like, hey, come on here and share it with the world. Like, no, start your own thing. Mm-hmm. What else? You don't have nothing else to do, yeah. right? So like, if you're not making music, you need to be making a way to push that music out into the world and yeah. get it to all the people that you know need to hear it that are literally just waiting to discover you. But I'm I'm huge advocate for artists creating their own platforms, even after you get the press and the looks. Mm-hmm. I think you should still have your own something that's sacred to you and your fan base that feels like you. You don't have to deal with anyone else's parameters and you can just be expressive. I think that's one of the best things that artists can do for themselves today outside of, you know, all the other things that come with being consistent and creating. Absolutely. So are traditional music videos necessary beyond, you know, anything the artists might want to do creatively or like, how do you advise your clients on their overall video strategy? Yes. Music videos are necessary. It's content. And it's probably the best, most well thought out, seamless content that you can get done. Um, I know that video consumption is different now, right? Like we don't have traditional, like, Music video shows where it was guaranteed that X amount of people would see your music video if you made it on here. I feel like we look at that as a problem, but me, not so much, because that was very limited. Mm-hmm. What? MTV had, what was it, 20 slots a day mm-hmm. at some point? Yeah, Maybe 10. Right. I know BT had, like, one of us in the park had 10. Sure. If you ain't make the top 10, that was it. You know yeah. how hard it was to get your video placed? Um, on TV. And so people are always like, yeah, we don't have good music videos anymore because we don't have shows. We were only watching a couple a day, y'all. It wasn't. And this was across. Sometimes if it was MTV, it was across genres. Like how many people we had to try to fit into these music video watching, right? Mm -hmm. YouTube is massive. (laughs) Bebo is massive. Like you have the opportunity for YouTube is owned by Google. Google is the, I think now second, biggest search engine in the on the world and on the entire planet. Their algorithm is literally digital gold. You put your song, your video out on YouTube, and you should also, FYI, be putting your songs on YouTube as well, just the audio version, lyric videos, all that stuff goes a long way. One, for discoverability, but also even they're monetizable, just like a music video. So there's no reason why you shouldn't also have all your tracks on YouTube as well. Um, and again, that stuff ends up on playlists. There's You could also look at YouTube playlists and reach out to those people and ask them to add you. Like, I'm on YouTube literally all day long. I don't really watch TV. I'm really on YouTube. And it's incredible how songs end up in rotations. And so you want to have the audio version and or a lyric version. If you want to do, I say do, I like the lyric ones because then people can learn the words and that's pretty seamless, but at least have that and then music videos. Because another thing is you may not be able to afford to do music videos for all your songs. Right. I get it, right? But at least if you have the audio on YouTube, you're still pretty much getting the same similar output from YouTube. You're Like you're getting that stuff and then maybe you have one or two, if you can swing it, three music videos from the project that you invested in that have a treatment that people can watch and be entertained by. Why? One, monetization. Two, it's helping reach, you know, more of an audience. Honestly, 
Shucks, if you want to talk like numbers, like Gen Z consumes music on YouTube. They're not really super into streaming like that. It just And it makes sense, right? And so, and there's not just Gen Z, but there's so many people that are like that. Like, this is where we're consuming music is YouTube. You look at our artists like NBA Youngboy, YouTube. Like, yeah. this is not, that fan base is from YouTube. And I'm willing to, I'm willing to bet any money. It's from YouTube. And there's so many artists like that. Um, and so if you skip the music videos you or skip just having your songs, even the audio on YouTube, you're skipping out on this large fan base, this large algorithm. Like, you can't be Google. I'm sorry. You can't yeah. be Google in terms of, like, reach. And so I think on that side, things important. On the more artistic side, I think music videos are the best way to express the art outside of audio. Like, I think that still matters. I think fans still enjoy it. I think that there's also a lot of people who may not understand a song when they hear it, but once they see it, they become an entire fan of the song. It's happened to me a million times. I know it's happened to a bunch of people a million times. And a lot of times the video is what takes the song over the edge. It can be an amazing song, but again, in such a competitive market, your music videos are also an opportunity for you to stand out. Um, if you are a person who wants a viral moment, that may be where it happens. And not necessarily that you did something so shocking, but just the shareability of videos. Every social media platform prioritizes video content, yeah. right? They're not going to prioritize you putting this, the audio up with a, with a graphic or something. Like, they're prioritizing video. So now you can have your music video chopped up in pieces, shucks. You can premiere it with just a trailer, lead people over to YouTube to watch the full thing. You can chop it up into pieces and have people consume the pieces so that they lead them over, over to that as well. I mean, it's a great promotional tool. People, if you just look at how people on your personal platforms consume and share things, they're more likely to share a video than they are to share just a still yeah. something, right? There's movement going on, there's color grading, there's editing, there's a story, there's something. It's, it's, you gotta, you really gotta make your own movies um, with the music. I, I think it's, I don't see any reason to skip that. That's another, outside of marketing, I think, well, I think music videos are a big marketing tool, but I think that's another space where you really want to invest your budget into, especially if it's tight. Like, do not not have a music video. I will tell an artist to push back their release damn near if they don't have something visual. Even if it's not, maybe not a music video, you need something that is visual for people to gravitate and hold on to because that is just the way the world works right now. There's no getting around it. You need some sort of visual component to complement the music. Um, yeah. So that's my answer on music videos. And again, you can chop the content up and it can go on Instagram. It can go on Twitter. It can go on TikTok and go on Facebook for platforms that prioritize video. So you're getting pushed regardless, right? You're getting pushed further than you would if you didn't have a visual attached. And then also, again, when people discover you, one of the first things they do is go to YouTube because they want to see more videos. They want to watch it in real time. Like we are visual people more than ever before. And so I think skipping music videos is like, I think that's insane. But that's my take on that. I'm big music. And make them creative as you can. Make them creative as you can. Do not follow the, the music videos that we like that maybe that pierce through that maybe we didn't know the artist, this is how we discovered the artist, all that stuff. It's because it was something different. It was something unique. Try not to copy paste 
the video treatment styles of other artists that you see are successful. It is extremely boring for the viewer. Um, they're watching that person's video because that person has established a style already that they're comfortable with and already a fan. So you should be creating creative music videos that match what it is you're doing, that match your brand, which match your feel. And truthfully, I know a lot of videographers and directors, and they are tired as well of doing the same video <laughs> over and over and over again. So really, when you're talking to whoever's producing the video for you, I say you come with ideas as well. Um, examples maybe of things you've seen that you thought were cool, but come with ideas and then also give them the freedom to further build this thing out. Like, don't be so stuck on like, oh, my music video should look like this because uh, I don't know if this person's music video looks like this. And like, you don't let them be creative and possibly create something that could be your moment. Like, be let, if nothing else, let the music video be the creative portion of this. I think it is a fast track to, you know, further building out your base and getting the music out there. Totally. And remember that you have a nicer uh, uh, camera on your phone than artists had access to in the pre-digital era when like millions. 100%. Yeah. So you could, I mean, you could make your own video yes. really and then maybe have somebody, you could go on Fiverr and find somebody that's good at editing and you know, they make your iPhone clips look cool Yep. and they insert effects and they do like all this stuff. I mean, again, going back to, I know how it looks online when you're seeing people do all this stuff that looks super professional, but I know professional videographers who insert iPhone clips and do, yeah. you know, editing tricks and stuff like that. Like it's not all super high level million dollar, whatever, like your favorite artist doesn't have a million dollars to, to, shoot a music yeah. video most of the time like there's other stuff that has to be taken care of so you know you got to make it work and yes I'm not going to lie to you once you go past certain levels yes things get bigger and it's more quality and more access and you have more money to do cool stuff and like create movie like things but you have to figure out how to maximize where you are and there's way too many tools and there's way too much internet for you to sit around trying to wait for things to be perfect to create and get things out there. Like, again, your favorite, 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 favorite artist, favorite artist started out somewhere very probably not high level, perfect, <laughs> excellent, budgeted visual. So remember that. And, you know, you're creative. So be creative. Yeah. Don't let what you're seeing make you feel like you're not who you are. Like, you're an artist. You are one of the most coveted people who wish they had the creativity that artists have. And it's like we're in a space where because of the way things have to be consumed and outputted that I think artists are confused. Artists are thinking they're not the creative ones. And it's like, no, you still are. You just got to flex your muscles a little bit like for the landscape that we're in. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, amazing. So one last work question, one um, personal professional question, and then we'll open it up to yeah. you guys. How should artists work with brands and what have you seen go well or not go well? 
<sighs> Love this one too. These are good questions, Emily. Excellent questions. So brands. Uh, with brands, I think, okay. This is another thing. It just all, all goes back to being authentic. Like mm-hmm. if you're into wellness, don't don't ask to for a partnership with an energy drink. Like be yourself. And I think think about the way I approach and how Brown Perfection, how we approach artist brand partnership things is we sit down and we actually get to know the artist and we get to know, you know, there's some basic things that every artist kind of like uses or would like. And so there's kind of companies that kind of just would fit just because it's they make music. But for the most part, we try to tailor that to, to where it's like, um, what is this artist doing a day to day? What do they like? What do they like to eat? What do they wear? What products do they use? What do they like to do for fun? Like that's the kind of stuff you should be thinking about when you're trying to figure out what types of brands you would want to partner with. And then I think artists, especially emerging artists, you want to try to find brands that are in a similar place that you are, right? There's so many brands that have money, but have not as much visibility or popularity as they want. They have all this infrastructure, but they just don't have like the push or the marketing avenue to the audiences that they want to reach. So if you can find a company like that, that's newer, but needs some promotion, those are usually the first that will be willing to work with you. And then it's better because they also don't have all the big rules and hoops and stuff you have to jump through to work with a major brand that's already established as a huge corporation, right? So you can damn near make this your campaign mm-hmm. and like do a bunch of cool stuff with them and they sponsor it or, you know, they'll, they're willing to sponsor events. Like if you need money to produce a listening event or a concert or something like that or a show, a lot of times it's the more it's the smaller brands who are putting up the bigger dollars yeah. like and that could pay for anything that could be paying for the venue, for the DJ, for decor, for a photo booth, for equipment, for marketing, for any of these things, for your merch. Like, you know, really identify the companies. I like, you know, once you figure out again what kind of company you're looking for, is it a beverage company, is it a liquor company, is it a clothing company, is it a beauty brand, whatever the case is, is it equipment, is it then you do your search, right? And Instagram is a wonderful place because you're able to kind of see one, what the brand does or does have go- have going on right now, check out their website and stuff, but also you can DM them immediately. Introduce yourself, tell them that you're, you know, what you have going on, that you're looking to partner and ask them what is the best way to pitch formally. Um, most of the time, the social media manager or even the brand <laughs> One time I reached out to this huge candy brand, just off a whim, DM them. It happened to be like the the SVP of their marketing who was running the Instagram, barely, but running the Instagram. And we were on the phone the next day and they were a huge brand partner for us for like a bunch of stuff we had going on. Like just reach out. And then they're either going to direct you to something where you can fill out a form or they're going to say, here's the email, reach out. I would love to see it. And then, you know, you go from there. I think another thing is be mindful of if you just want product, if you want monetary, if you're open to both and what those numbers look like for you and be flexible as well. Um, I think that's important to just knowing what you even want to ask for as well. Um, Now, again, it's not impossible to do this yourself, or with your team. But of course, it's always better to have someone who has more expertise in it. 
as well. Um, but there's also so many templates online of how to pitch properly. And I'm not an advocate of copy and pasting on chat GPT, but it can at least kick you off. Right. <laughs> and then you go in and you edit it, you make it your own. Um, so yeah, I would say that's how to approach brands. Um, I think artists underutilize brand partnerships and the effectiveness of it. It to me is a more mutually beneficial partnership than a lot of things because the brand needs something, you need something. Um, again, if it's a larger brand, pay attention to campaigns they've already done where it seems like they're kind of trying to lean their resources to, um, and go from there. Of course, TikTok is another great place to see that. I think you can really see a lot more these days on TikTok, what brands are interested in when it comes to how they want to partner with creators. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also not for nothing, an easy way to do this too, is to, let's say if it's like, I don't know, um, like a place you like to eat or whatever the case mm -hmm. is, tag them in your story consistently. Yeah. Tag them in your post. If it's a fee post, feed a photo dump and like the salad is in there, tag Kava. Like they pay attention to stuff like that. And then you also can just kind of prove like, yeah, this is something I'm, this is an ideal partnership. I really do like this product. And so mm -hmm. my audience likes it too, because I use it and like, they're going to buy into this. I mean, again, sometimes too, you have to build relationships with brands, especially if you're still building your brand, but Hey, if they're not willing to give you, you can, again, if they can't cut you money, ask if they can send you products. And then you can just, you know, post it and just, you know, they'll repost you because they can send you a case of energy drink or whatever the case is. Now you're posting your story. Or also what you can do is just start to build out the relationship. And so maybe it's not a yes now, but it's a yes later. Maybe you ask them, hey, well, can I get a discount code for my followers and just do a post and sponsor? So like there's so many ways to start building that relationship. And it's an, another one of those things where you would be surprised how far it goes. Like I have relationships with brands from years ago that now will give me anything I ask whenever I ask for it. Like, and it's because I've built a relationship and think about how you can help them. Like maybe it's product placement in your music video, right? And then maybe that is why you're asking for money or again, you're going to include them in all your advertising for your release of the event. Or, you know, I can guarantee that I'm going to have 200 people come here. Like, how can we partner together for visibility? And if one thing goes well, most people are going to want to work with you again. So I think that's kind of like the emerging artist approach to brand partnerships. And again, you cut out a lot of noise if you just figure out what kind of brands would make sense for you. Like, don't go Nike just because it's a big name and you know that would be crazy for you, right? Like, are you really into, like, do you fit the brand messaging and, you know, the brand motto? Would you be a shoo-in for some of the stuff you've seen them do? Do you have an idea for something that they could do that you think would be cool? Like come to the table, I think was something as well as like the best approach. But if you can, you can reach out to the kind of those in-between brands that aren't yet a household name, you can really rack up <laughs> in that area in terms of like resources and relationships. 
Yeah. And um, brands are also looking for engagement numbers more so than just like followers. So keep that in mind. And also Mm -hmm. really to echo, I love your um, comments on like developing brands as well. Keep nonprofits in mind too. You know, you could put together some side of promo uh, trade and and nonprofits have have money also. Yeah. You might end up doing like a jingle or something for them and make, and have like a huge check going on, like just for being yourself and being an artist. Like I think again, we spend so much time looking at all the things that we've seen work already yeah. that we don't spend enough time trying to look for the next thing that could work, the non-traditional thing that will help you stand out in this sea of FOMO yeah. <laughs> that's going on. So I think all those things are important. And then again, having your analytics ready to present alongside yeah. your pitch is super important too, because that's the real question is what can you, how many people can you get in the room? How much engagement can you get on the profile? Like, I want to know that upfront yeah. so that I know how much as a brand we can support that. That's right. So last question for me, how do you find balance amidst all of this, your career, social media, your clients, all the marketing? Yeah. Um, I think it's a daily quest, but For me, I have learned sometimes the hard way um, to set boundaries. That's like a big thing. Not just boundaries with like how I allow people to treat me and like work with me, but I mean boundaries, of course, with my time. Um, I rest as much as I work and I work a lot (laughs) or I try to, right? And like my rest is non-negotiable. Yeah. And I think people, when they start working with me, companies, I think they catch on very quickly of like, when I'm on, I am on Mm -hmm. and you're going to get a lot. But when I'm not, you got to respect that because I need to be able to recharge. I need to be able to think I'm a real creative, not like a pretend one either. So again, I need time to just do things that I find interesting. I need to watch documentaries. I need to read. I need to paint. I need to lay on the floor. I need to meditate. I need to do yoga. I need to like go play in the grass. I need to go to the pool. Like I need to do things. I need to go to a restaurant and try new foods. I need to cook. Like Mm -hmm. I need to do things that just keep me wired properly. And so that's a big part of the balance. Um, It's hard, I will say, because sometimes I can't show up for people maybe in my personal life the way I want to, because like, I can't know. I can't be on the phone right now. Like I actually did not talk to anyone else for the next 24 hours because I've had so many text calls, DMs, emails, uh, uh, presentations, Zooms, interviews, whatever the case, right? It's so much correspondence. And so I really work hard to really quiet my mind. I meditate regularly. I pray regularly. Like I do other things that I find therapeutic. Um, I think therapy is a big thing as well. Like if you can... um, Find a way to affordably do therapy. I think that that's great. If you can't, I think that like filling yourselves with um, therapeutic knowledge and like the things that you ingest are really important, I think, as well in terms of balance and then knowing what you want. Right. Like don't let life decide for you what it is you're doing, the life you're living. Don't let societal parameters, and like I get it, like we all gotta be able to like work, pay our bills, survive, live in a capitalist society. But I think there's still an overarching choice that you have as an individual to insert things that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily things that cost so much money, um, but I think 
just carving out space for yourself is so important. Um, not taking yourself too seriously. Like I'm a person first and foremost. I'm a human being. I am not perfect. Never will be. Don't really want to be. I want to be the best me. And like, that's my goal every day. But I think the part of balance is also just knowing that I'm human, yeah. right? Sometimes I'm just having a bad day. Sometimes I didn't get enough sleep. Sometimes I didn't eat enough. Sometimes I didn't go to, I didn't get to the gym. Oh my God, my life is not over. It's okay. Tomorrow, thankfully, is hopefully another day, right? I think you're not going to check off all your boxes every day. You're not going to be, if you are, so for me, I'm a CEO. Um, I also manage an incredible artist, All-Star JR. Um, I am a sister. I'm a daughter. I'm a friend, right? Like I have my hands in other, I'm a, I'm a startup advisor, right? Like I best, like I have all these other things going on. I create my own content. I, I do speaking engagements. Like I have all those things, right? And I'm also myself, just Janae from Harlem. Hey, I'm not going to be super excellent at every single one of those things every single day. But what I can say is that I do whatever my 100% is in that area for the day. And that will look different every day. If it's a day where I get to be on the phone with my mom for two hours, ding, 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 100 points in the daughter category, right? (laughs) But that might be once a week. Maybe I might be so busy, you know, like it depends. Like I might be an excellent manager today. Tomorrow I might be only able to take care of two or three things, but those two or three things were things that needed to be taken care of. And then the next day I'll try again. Like I'm, I might be shucks. I might be for a week straight. I'm waking up at 6 a.m. every day, breakfast, gym, meditate, work, do this, take care of my dog. Oh, I'm a champion. And the next, next week I might be horrible at it, but I was excellent as a CEO. Yeah, I was an excellent leader. I did all these things. And so I think we freak ourselves out trying to be the perfect like lifestyle YouTuber <laughs> of like yes. of our own like universe. But you just have to be honest and self-aware enough to know when you are giving 100 percent, when you're doing your best. And when maybe you're not. And if you're not doing your best, then that's something to explore within yourself. But I think that's my balance is like setting boundaries, but also knowing that I'm human and also being consistently 100 percent, even if what it looks like changes. I do not go to bed any day feeling like I didn't do enough because I know I did enough because my goal every day is to do enough. And, and I know that like within myself, my favorite affirmation, I always say it, I am more than enough and nothing meant for me will ever miss me. And like, I have to live by that. So, you know, it's a constant thing. I think we think of time as like the months, the weeks, the days, the years. I try to think of time as like the activity, the thing we bring to completion. Yeah. Right. So like it may take me if it takes me 10 years to make 10 million dollars, the 10 million dollars got made. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and fret over t- it took 10 years. If it takes me two years to make 10 million dollars. Wonderful. I'm more focused on doing the things I have to do every day to reach the 10. I'm not focused on like, how long is this going to take? Right. The same thing when I work out, my trainers, they always laugh at me because um, they'll be like, do this exercise. And I'm like, how many? And they're like, 
okay, this. Or they're like, do it for this amount of time. I'm like, I want to know how many because I just want to get through it. They're like, do you want to break up these reps? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm like, this can take me 30 minutes. It can take me 10 minutes. But I know I got to get 30 of them done. So I'm just focused on the 30. One, two, by four, I might have to take a break and get some water. That's fine. But I'm just going to keep going. And like, I think when you're focused on like, and I know people hate this because when you're like trying to figure it out, this is the one quote I don't like to hear. It's like, think about the journey, not the destination. It's like, how am I supposed to not think about the destination? That's where I want to go. But the truth is, <laughs> the further you go, the more you realize like, oh, this is really about how I get there, not me getting there. Yeah. Um, and as you accomplish things, it's like, oh, this is great. But you're really thinking about how you got there. So. Yeah. That's my balance. Answer. Wow. Um, and take care of myself. Yeah. Right. Drink my water, eat my vegetables, pay attention to my body, pay attention to my mental health. Mm-hmm. Like these are things that when you're hustling, bustling, seem not important, but your body will shut down on you. And I think you're really at your best when you're taking care of yourself first mm-hmm. and everything else after. So true. Um, all right. Do we have any questions? I know we just unloaded a lot of marketing information on you. Um, if you have a question, uh, come up to the mic and introduce yourself and ask away. Hi, how are you? Is this mic on? Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, thank you for all of your insight and expertise. Of course, what's your name? My name is Tina Sahar, and I'm a recording artist, songwriter based here in New York City. And um, I've got a lot of music, but nothing's out yet, and I'm now getting ready to release. I was wondering if you had any um, specific advice as far as like rolling out um, content, visualizers, and all of that. Like, what would you say is um, an appropriate time frame between uh, like letting people know you have a visualizer coming, getting that visualizer out, and then how much space is enough but not too much between the visualizer and the full video? Right. Excellent question um, that I get a lot with clients, like no matter how um, new or seasoned the artist is. So great question. Um, I think What I would ask first, I think there's like a more overarching answer, but I think for you, because you said you haven't put out music yet, um, I would just make sure that your platforms are awake first. So whether you post like a picture or, you know, some other engaging kind of things first, um, just so that no matter what cadence you're dropping in, the participation and the engagement is there for you. So I think that's one. Um, But like kind of the overarching conversation I don't like to stretch things out too far. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a new artist, you do want to give yourself more time than an established artist. So like, so no an established artist could probably drop things like, like Monday, they drop that something's coming. They could maybe Wednesday, they drop the visualizer and then Friday, the video's out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for you... I would add a little bit more space between the visualizer and the actual like maybe full drop and maybe you do like a countdown. Um, I would actually use the visualizers as the countdown. And like, so like if you can create maybe five of them, 
then let them all be like a five, four, three, two, one kind of thing so that you can stretch the promo out over like at least a week. Um, and if you come up with more things to do in between, you can stretch a little further. You even get like a week and a half, two weeks in. If maybe in between you're like doing a live interview or you're answering questions or you're walking them through the behind the scenes of the process. Like, you know, if you, if you have like BTS photos and the video shoot, like you can kind of space it out. But yeah. I think giving them something every day leading up is a good idea. But I think anything longer than two weeks is a drag and mm-hmm. you kind of lose the momentum and people's attention span. So I say try to keep it between one and two weeks. OK, thank you so much. Amazing. Yeah, get on up there. Hello, hi. My name is Victory Hester. I'm a singer, songwriting producer. I've done events. Um, I did a little bit of college radio myself. And firstly, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time um, to do this. This has been really insightful. And yeah, I'm really happy that I spent my time here. Um, So the question I have, and it is based on what you said earlier, um, it was just a comment you said that it's interesting once you start putting out music, you realize that your friends and family aren't necessarily your fan base. Mm -hmm. Um, And I bring that up because I've noticed that Instagram is my strongest platform. However, something that I am struggling with is building fans organically, specifically through that platform. Whereas TikTok, it's a lot more easier, I feel, um, to gain more fans um, that you don't necessarily have to go out and meet and do shows and things of that nature. Um, so I guess my question is, is one, am I looking at this incorrectly? And two, if not, do you have any tips on how to build more fans organically, specifically through Instagram? Yeah, great question. Um, interesting i kind of feel like if i list out the platforms in terms of like organic like reach instagram is one of the hardest right behind facebook um but they're a facebook company so you can imagine kind of like the similarities in the algorithm uh tiktok's algorithm is pretty amazing in terms of finding (laughs) um a little scary honestly finding stuff that matches people right so you're spot on there i think twitter is great as well because once people like it, they're going to share it. And the shareability on Twitter is incredible. Um, Instagram is interesting because they feed you things that they think you'll like, but you have to already be liking things, if that makes sense. So I think to find a little bit of more organic growth on Instagram, video for sure helps. Like we all know that posting like reels and stuff like that helps because it has its own separate explore page. Um, ironically, hashtags are not completely dead. Just don't go over like three of them. Um, people still use that for search. I think it's little things with Instagram, like having the location tag, you know, safely. Um, you know, making sure, because like the geo tag is still attached. But I think with Instagram also is engaging with other platforms. So what I mentioned about the music promo, where like you actually like reaching out to certain platforms and seeing if they'll repost your work, whether it be free or whether it be a small cost attached, that's a big thing too. 
because their promo and they, they've got a real handle on like their algorithm, their audience, their shareability. Um, I think collaborating on Instagram is a good idea too. So figuring out how to collab with someone who also has an audience that maybe has a similar size to yours or maybe slightly bigger, um, going live with them, doing collab posts with them. I think all that stuff matters. Like on Instagram, you really got to figure out how to stretch it um, and creating shareable content, point blank period. And don't be afraid to ask your audience to do the things you want them to do. So if that means in the caption saying, hey, can you you know share this to your story, repost it, whatever the case is, you'd be surprised. A lot of people will just go ahead and share it because they're not doing it. Why not? They like it anyway, so they'll share it. Um, I mean, you could do some sort of like fan kind of contest thing where a part of the people who win, like they're sharing it. Like you can, you just got to kind of find little ways to make your content more shareable. Um, that's pretty much the game on Instagram, I think, to grow your audience. And then just make sure that whatever you choose to be your shareable content, make sure that when people do come back to your page, it's prime for them to stay. So it's easy for them to kind of get a gist of who you are, find your music and all those different things. So I would say, again, when it comes to Instagram, I think collaborating, whether that be with another individual or with like a promo page or something like that, um, engaging with other platforms. Like if you see that there's platforms where people are at, they need to keep seeing your name pop up. They keep seeing, seeing your profile pop up. Um, and then also just like creating shareable content that is engaging, that is aligned with what the platform is pushing at the moment. I know they change it a lot, but I think, again, once you kind of find your step and what works for you, then you'll start to see the growth come in. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, Janae, thank you so much for your, for all of this time. Let's give it up for Janae, everyone. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was a pleasure. These were great questions and hopefully something that we talked about helps the next superstar, you know, do their thing. I'm really excited. Um, and yeah, I think being an artist is a, is such so much, right? There's good things, but there's hard things. And so I have a real soft spot for just helping um, artists figure out what's next. And it's a long haul, but, you know, I say if you really are passionate about it, you really care about it, don't give up. Um, if you're consistent, your people will find you and not just your fans, but the people who, you know, will also help you build this out further, like a team, like a partner. Um, you just got to keep at it and just never forget, you know, why you started in the first place. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Thank you again for all of your time, your wisdom, your knowledge. Yay. We are so honored. Of course. Thank you guys so much. This was great. Yeah. So that's a wrap for this episode. Join us tomorrow at a, at 11 a.m. Eastern. This is the only episode this season we're doing at 11. I know it's been at 4, so I really want to stress tomorrow is at 11 a.m. Eastern in real life here at Tower, La Tower Records, Tower Labs in Brooklyn, or via live stream on our YouTube as we discuss your live strategy and efficient touring with the best known and most influential concert promoter of his generation, and I would say generations that have come after him, Peter Shapiro. 
In the meantime, thanks so much to Van Zugel, podcast manager Mike Zimmerlich, engineer Nathan Kane, Matthew Wong for composing the show's music, Danny, David, and Jake at Tower Records, the Ally Coalition, Liquid Death, Hal Leonard, and of course, the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment's New York Music Month for making this all happen. Again, huge thanks to Janae Brown for all of the time and wisdom and knowledge today, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>